When you think about most team sports, there's usually a pregame speech. And we've seen those on YouTube, we've seen them before ball games, where coaches will give fiery speeches to motivate their team. But it's not just that when they have that, those moments when they get together. There's also timeouts you can call so that you can huddle up to make sure that you're all on the same page. And there are these things called quarters. And between the quarters, usually there's a little time to kind of resettle. And then there's this thing called halftime where you have an extended amount of time for the team to huddle up in the locker room to talk about the adjustments that are needed or what we need to do in the game. I've never played a game from a locker room. It's never happened. Games are played on the field or on a court. This is not a game. We understand that, don't you? That for Christians, we, the game, the real truth, real life is outside these walls. When we leave, leave here and Monday through Saturday is more important than Sunday. What we're doing is huddling up, we're getting ready because the real game, and I know we call this a service, which is some, sometimes hard for people to understand because they think of service as something you're doing, but so many of us, we think of us coming here and setting as really what we're really supposed to be doing as Christians and what we're called to do, the real action, the real calling on your life is when you leave here, where you go to school. That's where it takes place. That's where your faith is acted out. At your work, in your family, wherever you go in your neighborhood, that's where the real game is for Christians. That's where we're supposed to act out what we know. Here's the deal. People don't attend the church, people are the church. We're supposed to be going and we're supposed to be being the church to a hurting world. So as Christians, we're supposed to be neighbors. We're supposed to be the neighbors. Last week we talked about this when the lawyer came to Jesus and said, how do I inherit eternal life? And then Jesus asked him back, and he quoted scripture back to Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, yeah, you got it. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. But the guy test, ju trying to justify himself said, well, who all is my neighbor anyway? How far do I have to take this? How nice do I have to be to how many people? Who are, who is my neighbor? So we're gonna talk about neighboring. Here's the problem. So many of us as Christians, we're neighbor haters. We are. Somebody moves in that's like us. We're oh good, they go to they go to church. They're awesome. Somebody moves in across the street who doesn't act like we act, vote like we act. They don't do what we do. They don't have a lifestyle that agrees with us. And we can turn into the biggest self-righteous snobs in the world. That is not godly. God's calling us to stretch ourselves. We're supposed to be practicing neighboring because Jesus said, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. 
So most of us, when you hear this, possibly, you might see this, and you think about neighboring, neighboring. We talk about this thing, you might be thinking, oh, who is my neighbor anyway? I mean, how, how, what do I got to do with all this? So I want us to look at the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, if you have your Bible. I want to encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 9. And we want to know, remember this, in chapter 4, verse 8, it says that G, with P, uh, Peter, who was full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. That's, uh, that's the message translation, <laughs> began to preach. I'm hoping to let loose here a little bit today. Verse 9, chapter 10, and challenge us in our neighboring, all right? Verse 9, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. There's a vision that God is giving him. He saw heaven opened and something like a large seat began to let down to earth by its four corners. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter, being a practicing a Jewish person who would have known kosher the law he would he knew his bible he knew what the old testament said he knew what tradition said peter says surely not lord he says i have never eaten anything impure or unclean and the voice spoke to him a second time do not call anything impure that god has made and this happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven and for the sake of time you know what immediately happened and that is that gentile men showed up from cornelius's house and peter he preaches to them peter did not get even to finish his sermon when he, had said, when he said, whosoever believes in him will receive remission of sins, they believed and they were saved. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is amazing because most of us, unless there's folks I may not know here, most of us come from a Gentile background. So this is really good news for us. In the past, the Jewish and the Gentile world never were together. Here were God's chosen people. And all that the Gentiles, who they were, represented, especially somebody like Peter, was unclean. And so for me, as a Gentile, I'm like, this is an incredible event. Because most all of us were outside 
of the people of God. But now through this vision, God gives Peter a vision and he says to him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so in verse 47 in chapter 10, Peter says this, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So the walls come tumbling down. The grace of God has escaped and now it's for Gentiles and people are getting saved and becoming the people of God. And how wonderful it is, the providence of God in this case. Peter is breaking down the ancient barrier between Jewish people and Gentiles. God prepared both Peter and he prepared Cornelius. He spoke to Cornelius while he was praying for God's help. He spoke to Peter while he was relaxing. He was also preparing a guy named Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, and preparing him for his life's work too. So here's the thing. I want you to say this, repeat this after me. It's harder than it looks. Say it again. It's harder than it looks. It is. Sometimes it's harder than it looks. It's easier said than done to carry out God's vision for your life and his call on your life and for you to love the people that God created. For us to be practice neighboring, for us to love. So many times in our neighbor hating, we can call somebody unclean. They're unreachable. There are people that are unclean. And just like Peter, God calls us to be a people who will love and join him in what he's doing. This is harder than it looks. Go on over to Galatians. I want you to go to Galatians chapter two, verse 11. And Pastor Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. And he's writing in verse 11. I just want to share with you a few verses here. Verse 11, chapter two of Galatians. Paul is writing and he says this about an experience he had with Peter. He says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. You're like, yeah, go Paul. Let me tell you something. You can't influence people from a distance or without a healthy relationship. You only have as much authority in someone's life as they're willing to submit to. Paul had that. So if you're gonna work on your neighboring, if you wanna speak life into other people's lives, you gotta have a relationship, folks. You cannot affect people from a distance. You can try. You can, you can try to keep yelling or screaming or trying to speak into people's lives without really investing in them. You've got to be closer to people. Paul did that for Peter. And he says in verse 12, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. 
So he's saying, hey, Peter is doing what God called him to do. He's hanging out with the Gentiles. But then this big group from Jerusalem came, the circumcision party. They came and he drew back from the Gentiles and started kind of distancing himself and being Jewish and then teaching the Gentiles another thing from what he was fellowshipping with them. He was literally living one way here and another way there. This is one of the great struggles of our life, isn't it? Living one way here and another way there. Live one way at school, another way at home. Live one way at church, another way at work. So Paul has the guts and he says, verse 13, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with Peter, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. He uses the word hypocrisy twice. Paul calls that double living hypocrisy, playing the part. Verse 14, by the way, I remind you, here's Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. It's harder than it looks. Verse 14, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, but I saw what they were doing within this fellowship, I saw it was out of step with the gospel. And so I said to Peter before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Right there at the end. But when I saw that they were maintaining a steady, straight course, they were not, they were not living and not maintaining that course that was according to our message. I spoke up to Peter in front of all of them. I said, if a Jew lives like a non-Jew when you're not being observed by those watchdogs from Jerusalem, what right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to Jewish customs just to make favorable impression with your old Jerusalem friends? It's not very good neighboring. There are a lot of things for us in our everyday world, just like the complexities of these, this right here, this example, it's hard for all of us because we, so many times, it's a challenge for us. There's lots to disagree about. We live in a world where there's so much disagreement. We live in a world where we live in a world where so much discord and so much drama. Anybody here just love all the drama that's going on in our country? <sighs> Don't you just grow weary of all that? And it can be a very, in this culture, it can be the thing that leads us in how we treat and love one another. So I wanna to talk to you about the three choices in the time I have left. I wanna to talk to you about the three choices that change my neighboring. And I want you to make these choices. I want you to be a person who makes these choices. First one is choose faith over fear. Choose to put your faith and what you believe 
over fear of what people think. It's not what we saw with Peter. Peter is afraid of what his Jewish friends from Jerusalem are going to think. So he draws near to them. He's afraid of what they might think. I want to challenge to stretch you today. If you're 45 years old or older, I want you to listen to me right now. I want to challenge you to stretch a little bit. You who are 45 and older, my age. So many of us have our eyes fixed on the economy or on political leadership or a political party. People talk about, we've got to get rid of this guy. We've got to make sure we keep this guy. There's all of this drama going on in our country. We have fixed our attention on the economy. We have, we have fixed our attention on the good old days. And what is happening is our eyes are fixed on that. And so many times the generation behind us, they're watching us and all they see is fear out of us. You're scaring the kids. Knock it off. I've got to be a person that I have to put my faith over my fear to believe. We sound faithless as older people sometimes. We do, and that's what we're communicating. The people behind us are listening, and we always sound like the sky is falling. And I challenge you today, where is your faith? Keep believing. Government <clears throat> and policies matter. There's some of you that are involved in the political arena. God's a calling on your life from God. And all of us are supposed to live in the world and be salt and light. But nothing is more important than your faith, period. When I am called to a bedside, when someone is dying, I've never heard anybody say, hey, could you give me a copy of the Constitution, please? God, we have to keep our faith above our fear. We have to be a people of faith. Men and women who walk with God, who I say nothing's gonna thwart the plans of God. Be a person of faith. Let's end well. I got a birthday coming up. I'm getting older. I know I have a lot of gray hair, all that stuff. I want to be a person like Jim Martin, who's ending well, who wants to see his offspring see the land, inherit the land, who want to see our kids grow in faith against all the reports. Philippians 3, not that I have obtained all this, I'm, already, I'm not already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so I encourage you, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, your faith over your fear. Here's the second choice. Choose your Bible over popular thought. 
Choose your Bible over what popular thought says. Listen to me, let me make it practical. If your day is ruined because of what you read on Twitter, you are putting popular thought over what the Bible says about all this. What keeps us from neighboring well is when our marching orders comes from some guy on the radio or we watch TV. If your days are ruined because of what you see on TV, knock it off. Stop it. Look at your Bible. Look at what your Bible says. I want to be a person like Caleb. Now, I know I've talked about this a few times. I'm going to keep talking about it because I want to be a guy like Caleb. Caleb was one of the 12 spies. The whole nation of Israel had been brought out of Egypt and they selected 12 spies to go into the land that God had promised them. 10 of the spies came back and gave a bad report. Two of them said, we can do it. God's called us here, he's brought us this far, we can do it. Almighty God is with us. The nation chose the bad report. I wanna encourage you. I wanna be a guy like Caleb. Look at what God says about Caleb in Numbers chapter 14, 24. I want you to be like Caleb too. I want us to have a church full of Caleb's. I want us, don't want us to be downtrodden, trying to figure out and be, I want us to be a people, like look at what God says. However, my servant Caleb, because a different spirit is within him, and he is wholeheartedly behind me, I will bring him into the land where he went and his offspring will inherit the land. I want us to be a people who have a different spirit. We're different, we're peculiar. We're not the same as everybody else. We know how this ends. We know that Jesus Christ is gonna rule and reign. We know how it ends, nothing's gonna thwart the plans of God. Be peculiar. Some of the ways that I wanna be like Caleb is I wanna challenge older people to keep taking their mountains, even in their old age, keep believing, keep speaking life. Caleb's descendants inherited the land. I want our kids to inherit the land. Caleb is repeatedly described as a man who is wholeheartedly devoted to God. I want us to be a people who are wholeheartedly devoted to God, not wholeheartedly devoted to everything else. I wanna raise up a company of kingdom warriors who would give their lives in the wholehearted pursuit of Jesus Christ. Listen to the good report. Hashtag that, hashtag the good report. I'm gonna to listen to the good report. I know how this ends. I know what's going on. God is gonna have his way. We're gonna trust in him. Let's be a people who listen to the good report. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, do not be deceived. The love of most will grow cold. And Jesus is coming back and having his way and reigning. I want to encourage you today to stretch yourself. Live like that is true. Do it.
Choose your Bible. Listen to the good report. So many of us are downtrodden and we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to get motivated and how to stay up and all that stuff. Choose your Bible over popular thought. thought. Here's the last thing. I want you to do something Jesus did. Jesus did this in his ministry and in his mission of giving his life for sinners. Choose people over politics. Jesus, oh, he's the new Messiah. He's the one that can deliver us from Rome. No, Jesus had a bigger thing, a bigger kingdom in mind. And I wanna encourage you, choose people over politics. Put people first in your life. In most of our neighboring, we look for agreement, don't we? So, so many of us, we sit here today and we go, oh, man, all these other people, they need to hear this because, you know, I just want to remind you today, nothing is going to thwart the plans of God. The Old Testament and New Testament bear this out. God is going to have his way. For us, we need to be people that love God with everything we have and love others as ourselves. How do you treat the people that God created? I want to encourage you because this life is fleeting, folks. If you grew up in Roman rule 2,000 years ago, you could not imagine, listen, you could not imagine a world where the Roman Empire did not rule. It was an incredibly powerful and brutal control that Rome ruled. 2,000 years later, what do you know about the folks who led in Rome? How many names can you name? I'll just tell you right now, you only can name any names because they were a part of the story of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. The only reason you can even know the name Pilate and who he was was because he was a part of Jesus's story. For us, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. I am a nobody telling everybody about somebody and he is Jesus, that's it. And he's the king. He's not running for office, he doesn't need your vote. He's the king. He's in power, he's never gonna lose power. He's never going out of office. He's gonna rule and reign forever. He doesn't need, he, his, his platform, he is God and there's none like him. That's what his platform is. Get your cues from him. I wanna encourage you today, what's keeping you from neighboring? Choose faith in your neighboring, in the people around you. Choose your Bible. Choose your Bible over popular thought. Choose the good report. Choose to love people. Love them. Somebody loved you when you didn't deserve it. Somebody reached out to you before you were on the team. 
I want to encourage us to be a people like that. The love of Christ should cause us to really seek to understand before we judge. Because that's what, I'm so thankful, that's what somebody did for me. Guys, I wouldn't be standing here if somebody didn't practice that. Because I'd run into a bunch of people that are judgmental against me, but then there were some people that were gracious with me. Guess what? Grace won. The grace of Jesus won. And that's what people in your school are waiting for. That's what the people around you on your block are waiting for. They're waiting for grace and truth. The love of Christ should cause us to value and love every person made in God's image. So many times we are kind of reluctant. So I'm praying today that God can change us. You know, God can change us if he if we let him. So I want to encourage you time. It's time for a big change in our world. We need a move. We need a movement of God. Are we going to sit around and we're going to wait? Oh, hopefully some church somewhere will get with it. And No, we've got, we need a move. We need right here, we need a move of God. And that God would use us in our neighboring I pray that it starts with you and me here. Father, I thank you that you, in your grace, in your mercy, and in your provision, and in your sovereignty, Lord, brought us together today. Lord, we thank you for this eyewitness account of what you did with Peter and with the church and in your kingdom that you love the whole world. Lord, help us to be a people as the people of God who love others. Help us, Father, to be a people who love well. Help us, Lord, when we struggle and we have a hard time finding traction, Lord, in this part of our life. Lord, help us to choose faith, not maybe some old traditions. Lord, help us to choose your word instead of what all's on the news or what everybody's saying. Lord, help us to choose people and love people that you love as well. Lord, I am praying that you would do imaginably more than we could ever ask or imagine because we trust your word and we trust you and we obey you. Lord, I just pray today that you'd help us. Help us, Lord, to be a part of the movement of God to change the world. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Two things as you leave today, all right? Two things. I want to challenge you as you leave today with two words, invest and invite. I just want you to think about that all week, invest and invite. I want you to look around in your life for people to invest in. Invest in their life. Talk to them. I got some people that I don't know that well, but I'm trying to invest my life. I've just started with some of them. I'm trying to invest my life in theirs, trying to get to know them, find a little common ground. And then ultimately, I want you to invite them. And maybe it is that they'll find out you go to church and you'll go, hey, man, you want to come to church with me? Invite them. You have not because you ask not. Most people, by the way, 
Most all people who come to church, 90 some percent of people come to church because they were invited. And most people who are polled who don't go to church, you know what they're waiting for? An invitation. If you have some friends that would never come to a church service, invite them to Fall Fest. We put that in your bulletin. We put this little card in your bulletin for you to have, for you to invite somebody so that you'd be equipped. So if those folks don't want to come to church yet, invite them to Fall Fest. It's a free meal. Find out we're just a bunch of forgiven sinners who love the Lord. That's what Fall Fest is just our hope is that it's an outreach event. Whether people feel welcomed, it's great. So today, I invest and invite. If at any point in the service, you had something on your heart and you need prayer, there's some folks over here at the cross that would love to pray with you. If there's anything going on in your life and you need somebody to pray with, there's some folks that are right over here that would love to pray with you. And this week, I want you to go out there and give them heaven, all right? God bless you. Have a great week.